The Money Show. Business Unusual. With Colin Cullis. The baker man can, if you consider biscuits, of course, baker's biscuits, one of South Africa's most venerable brands. And Mondelez, confirmation today, Colin Cullis, that Mondelez is talking to the owners of baker's biscuits, that's AVI, to buy the snacks business of AVI, which includes Bauman's biscuits and baker's biscuits and Willard's chips. So what are you going to teach us tonight about business unusual Mondelez International and a pack of biscuits? Well, Bruce, I knew very little about all of that, other than there was this notion that uh, despite there being thousands of brands that we know and love for all the various snacks we eat, they variably are owned and managed by a very small number of companies. And so when I heard you mention in one of your business reports that Mondelez may be looking to acquire some more South African brands from ABI, I thought, I wonder if there is an interesting story or a little bit of disruption to mention about it. And oh boy, there is. Uh, both because of how... Uh, big business kind of grew out of this sort of notion, but also picking up on one of the brands that uh, Mondelez International owns, the Oreo, which has a fascinating history uh, spanning uh, centuries, to be fair, Uh, but really interesting how the various business elements uh, and very uh, similar business elements that apply to very large businesses, multinationals, uh, and even some of the the biggest tech companies work with regards to mergers and acquisitions uh, and marketing. So this is this is how I wind up disappearing down that rabbit hole. And because Mondelez International or Mondelez South Africa, we have a, a, a local subsidiary that looks after things like Chappies. That's the local brand that it looks after. Uh, but internationally, it looks Sorry, after many. Chappies many is made by Mondelez. It's owned by Mondelez, and so yes, made in South Africa under what? their label. Uh, but the, but they're big. I didn't know that. There should be. Number one on the Chappie paper should be, do you know that I'm made by an American company called Mondelez? That should be number one. Sorry. Well, there is one then for you. Uh, But the notion that all Cadbury's chocolates, you kind of imagine that Cadbury's, Cadbury's is, there's a British company, right? Well, it's Mondelez International that that owns all the rights to the various Cadbury's chocolates. And here we know by other names. So certainly the South African one we know is the Chomp. Uh, which I think comes from South Africa. But now, as I went disappearing down this rabbit hole, I'm, I'm completely confused. I have no idea where half these brands come from. Uh, they have most of the chewing gum that we know. So whether it be Stimarol or Clarets or Strident or Trident and all of those sort of names, and soon maybe Chappies. Um, and then other biscuit types under the big brand that I'm going to be touching on today called Nabisco and its uh, origins, which gave us uh, the, the Oreos. And uh, the, the story kind of goes back, and, and I... I jokingly mentioned the line of, of uh, Polly wants a cracker, that, that line that when I went to go and find out where does this actually come from, uh, does it have anything to do with real crackers and pirates? There was a, a kind of a real connection, even though it, 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 it's, it's real, real origin, goes back to a Shakespearean era play and the fact that parrots at the time were considered to be wonderful little pets and curiosities. Uh, nevertheless, pirates were known to have them. In fact, they, they saw them as a great little opportunity to bring them back to the UK or anywhere else where they're going, uh, either to make some cash out of them uh, or if times got bad, just to, to snack on them. Uh, but what you would typically find on not just pirate ships, but most ships, because um, there were challenges with how much food you could take and what you could store, uh, there was this idea of taking these uh, flour-baked biscuits that would last for a very long time at sea, and so were ideal for very long trips, but tasted kind of terrible. Um, uh, and typically, you know, you'd have to stick them in water or anything else to try and fill them out. And, you know, in other places where they'd be used, you'd make sort of a soup and then chuck these biscuits in and away you go. And in some parts of America, I don't think in South Africa anywhere, there's still this idea of adding biscuits to your food, but it's not the kind of biscuits that we know. Those biscuits became a lot more popular 
Uh, once the sugar industries grew up in, in, in the Caribbean, people started adding sugar to everything. So, of course, they added them to biscuits. And then biscuits became hugely popular as a snack rather than this thing you just try to fill out your not-so-tasty uh, gruel. And then here's where the first big business principle uh, comes from. Because bakers, and there were you know dozens of them, uh, sprung up all over the show. But their challenge was they had to go and individually you know, a bargain to try and get the wheat from the producers or get the various other ingredients from the local producers. And that obviously was a little tricky. While two brothers, the Loose brothers, uh, hit upon the idea, which they took from the oil industry at the time that was also booming, of, of saying, if we merge with a couple of other bakeries, not only could we grow the footprint of where we can sell our baked products, but we buy more uh, raw ingredients. And so we can argue for better deals from the actual producers, which they went about doing. Uh, which proved to be highly popular for them, causing the rest of the uh, bakers to start form uh, sort of an arrangement and, and, and conglomerates. Uh, till finally, there were three in, in, in the sort of northeast uh, US where most of the, the baked goods stuff were being consumed. Um, and at some point, you know, that drove prices down, which obviously made consumers very happy. They were making more and more than you can imagine. But rather than uh, keeping the, uh, the competition going, they wind up uh, coming together and deciding to merge all three together into a single big baking company. That was the birth of the National Baking Company, which we now know as the Nabisco, or let me not say we know, the Americans know as Nabisco. We have no idea what it is other than every now and then you see that strange little logo of theirs, which is kind of a <laughs> circle with what looks like a cross, but with two bars on it. The same circle cross with two bars that you'll see on the Oreo biscuits, if you've ever bothered to look at one long enough before uh, dunking it in your milk or just <laughs> no it yeah, uh, the, the oreo biscuit box is good for only one thing and that is to be thrown away um you, 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 it's to protect the the contents and it gets ripped off and gets disposed of immediately because like pringles once you pop you can't stop indeed and you know that's that's one of the innovations that uh, nabisco did give the biscuit world prior to them creating boxes and they actually put a little uh, grease proof paper inside to protect the biscuits. Uh, biscuits were sold in barrels or just anything. They were just loose. And so you can imagine loads of them got broken and, and smashed up. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, the story of how the Oreo came about requires us to go back to those loose brothers who were kind of hard done uh, by the wheeling and dealing when this uh, was formed. One of the lawyers involved uh, was a little more shrewd than, than people would have liked. Uh, anyway, the loose brothers went off and, and created their own new bakery. And because at the time these large bakeries um, had, had become known for adding filler material, for want of a better word, the, the, the baked goods weren't always absolutely exactly what you thought you'd get in there. Some of the, uh, the flour maybe wasn't the best grade, et cetera, et cetera. So they decided they're going back to first principles and would use only the best ingredients and wanted to name it after something that sounded as pure as they could imagine. They hit upon the idea that water was this thing that was so pure for them. And so the word they came up with, hydrox. Now, Hydrox as a biscuit name, I think is terrible. I can't even imagine walking into a shopping center and saying, can I have a box of Hydrox, please? Nevertheless, uh, that Sunshine Bakery, the, the, the bakery that they did form, made them for over 90 years, and they only went out of production in 1999. At that point, being owned and re-owned by somebody else, but it was the Kellogg's company who finally retired the name. And this is kind of where the, the story comes back to the Mondelez International and their interest here in South Africa. Because uh, one of the things that has been happening in, in the U.S. certainly is that you had this massive rise of a bunch of brands and American consumers, well, they're the world's best consumers, so they buy lots of the stuff. And then, you know, consumption would rise to a point. And then it's really just big brands owning lots of small brands and doing lots of marketing, which effectively just cannibalizes one of their brands with another brand. They're not really growing the pie, as it were, because the Americans can't 
basically eat any more pie. So the idea has been to say they're going to start looking elsewhere to the emerging markets to see how they can sell more of these various snack foods uh, to the rest of the world, which for the most part, certainly in emerging parts of the world, uh, you know, we're becoming more affluent, we're, uh, our palates are increasing, we lo we're looking for some interesting other snacks. And so South Africa, Africa is certainly a good place for somebody to watch the, the rise and rise of the snack food companies, certainly while almost the other way, it, it's going almost the other way in the US where um, they're going back to sort of artisanal, locally based things, uh, much more expensive, certainly, but rather than the, the big bulk uh, and cheap priced sort of snack uh, snack type foods. And so it was Leaf Foods who in 2015 decided to resurrect the brand. Uh, the owner had done quite well for himself and felt he really missed his Hydrox cookies. So he reintroduced the brand, uh, which have been around now since, since then. And, uh, you know, there's a love them or hate them, the people who say, yes, this is the original one and Oreos is just a horrible ripoff. Uh, Oreo fans will tell you, no ways, Hydrox is fine, but Oreos, Oreos is the only thing for them, um, but it just shows you that that difference between you know how how the two different um, styles of food are, are, are coming around, and again how big business sometimes operates. There is or there was a, a court case filed against uh, Mondelez for saying that their agents, because they are so massive, they basically choose which which brands go on the shelves at the big supermarkets, and so whenever uh, the Hydrox guys were just going to check in on stores, they would find their their biscuits hidden away, pushed to the back made only one one uh, wide invariably by by the guys that were probably from Mondelez doing that a, a little side note there the name Mondelez uh, when it was created uh, after oh man it, it goes crazy so Nabisco merged with R, R, um, uh, RJ Reynolds tobacco company crazy combo but amazing how many food companies and tobacco companies did merge over over the last couple of years possibly because you know mass produced products massive distribution is kind of their game so whether it be food or cigarettes it's, it's kind of a similar game anyway at some point nabisco more and more conglomerations eventually taken over by philip morris philip morris took over craft craft merged with them and then at some point they split out craft sort of grocery businesses and their snack food businesses and the snack food businesses had to choose a new name. Mondelez is supposedly Mond, as in the French for world, and Deleuze, as in from delicious, was the way that this name was 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 uh, invented uh, only five years years ago or so. So now we're at the point where uh, we've got actually where are we at the point? We've got our we've got our <laughs> Oreo cookies. They're the the world's best best known brands. Uh, there is some wobbles with um, who uh, who is. Uh, happy with them and how they're being built uh, and by 2011 they are so massive that the the oreo nabisco and the oreo factory in chicago is the world's largest bakery 170,000 square meters producing billions of oreos every year uh, with over 4,000 staff uh, but also around 2015, uh, there is an investment from a big hedge fund. They're looking for profits. So they say, look to start cutting costs. And of course, US-based production is a lot higher than you would elsewhere in the world. So in 2015, they embarked upon a, a outsourcing operation. So the world's largest bakery got scaled down. It got moved to Mexico for most of the actual work um, and then ceased production in 2016. So a sad, a sad ending to what was this enormous a uh, baking operation. Uh, and they've started popping up, you know, in other parts of the world uh, for, for where they've been created. South Africa, Mondelez, South Africa has three plants, if I'm not mistaken, producing the different elements uh, of those components. Um, and they have, you know, manufacturing now all around the world, over 100 countries get these Oreo cookies. Uh, 2011, I think the, um, the production was about 35 billion, with a third of that just being eaten in the US. That had grown to about 40 billion by 2017. Uh, and obviously, they're expecting uh, to see those uh, those numbers continue 
to, to climb. The, the final element, though, and I've always known Oreos has just been sort of a chocolate cookie. Officially, they are a, uh, let me see, they're a chocolate sandwich cookie. Um, but for the last couple of years, they've been adding in many other flavors. If you go to China, you can find the wasabi or hot wings flavor. Uh, there was a birthday cake flavor. Uh, there's watermelon flavored ones. Um, and as they pointed out, whenever they introduce these sort of limited edition versions, they don't just see a spike in those versions. They see a spike in the traditional regular ones as well. And the most recent one uh, was to promote uh, Lady Gaga's album Chromatica. Uh, and so because Lady Gaga, that consisted of a salmon colored cookie with a malachite green filling. Uh, and the tech connection, if I had to ha have to go and find one, uh, Android operating systems are, are named after confectionery. And the eighth edition was called the Oreo. And so, understandably, Oreos made an Android Oreo, which was a regular-looking Oreo, but had a green filling. But the final element I have for you, Bruce, is what is the difference between a biscuit and a cake? Egg. No? Nope. Egg, egg, egg will be found in both of them, depending on what you're making. It, it certainly isn't the thing that would differentiate them. And this, this came to a head in 1991, because in the UK... Uh, cakes are considered not luxury items and so not subjected to VAT. Biscuits, on the other hand, are considered luxury items and so VAT must be paid. And the McVitie's organization, subsequently bought out by, let me see who owns them now, United Biscuits, even though they themselves are a very old uh, Scottish bakery, uh, had a very popular brand called Jaffa Cakes. And Jaffa Cakes you found in the biscuit aisle, not in the cake aisle. You eat them with your hands, you, you have them with your tea, you don't eat them the way you typically eat cake. And so the tax authorities there said, well, you know, Jaffa Cakes, besides the name, these are obviously biscuits. Now, given the multi-million pounds that would be have to be added to the cost ultimately every year for, for people to have to buy these things, they took it to court. And the lawyers, if you can imagine a court case where people are arguing the merits of baked goods, cakes versus biscuits and, and how it goes about. Anyway, they did manage to win it and they based it on two things. One, the word itself, biscuit, comes from French, meaning twice cooked. Uh, the notion is you, you bake it like you would a cake, then you put it back in the oven and you dry it out. So moisture is the key ingredient with these things. And the, the, the definition they came down to, and you can remember this for the future, is cakes go hard and dry when they go stale, biscuits go soft and slightly soggy. So they brought in a, an oversized Jaffa cake, and while the court case was proceeding, they noted over time to see, did it go hard and dry? And because it did, the judge had to accept that this is invariably a cake, and so the tax authority said it is now exempt, and the lawyers obviously could celebrate with a, with a wonderful time. Uh, we wait to see now if Mondelez South Africa and, and uh, you know decides to make that acquisition. I was quite fascinated with it, uh, and I've left a whole bunch extra about the other big brands that own so many of the things we generally pop off to the supermarket and buy, as I say, again, operated by only just a few big, big companies. Absolutely. I had that conversation, of course, earlier this week with a former chief executive and chair of uh, PepsiCo, and that was uh, Ms. Nui. Uh, and yeah, it, it was a really interesting conversation. And so that, I'm sure we'll make it on to the best bits of The Money Show uh, coming up on Friday. But thank you, Colin Cullis, Business Unusual.